Hey guys, it's Mia Baker here and welcome to my brand new podcast, Unsussed. Unsussed is a podcast that delves into my world, my golf life, and basically just me figuring stuff out. I'll be here every Tuesday chatting to you about all things golf and everything in between. In this first episode, we'll be delving into how me, a beginner golfer, if I can even call myself that, maybe I should call myself like a newish golfer. Anyway, someone who's still not that great at golf, how they've ended up in the golf world. I'll be sharing with you a little background into me and my childhood, how golf came to be part of my life, my personal experiences on social media and how I've grown my Instagram account all the way through to now. I feel like this is the perfect way for me to set the scene of my new pod, especially for those of you who have no idea who I am. Even for those of you who've been following me on Instagram for a while, I just feel like it's a really great way for me to share things with you that maybe I've never even told anyone else before. I've actually been putting off creating this podcast for a while, but I did once read a quote and it went something like, perfection is the greatest hindrance of progress. And it just kind of stuck with me. So although this podcast may not be perfection right now, at least we're here, at least we're doing it, at least we're starting. So let's get to it. I'm actually quite nervous about recording this first podcast. I remember the first time I ever went on an official podcast and it was actually Rick Shields podcast which is so crazy thinking about it now but at the time I was so new to golf so blasé so naive I had no idea who he was and obviously I don't know I had no idea what I was doing but Rick and his team were super super nice super kind to me made me feel really really comfortable but I was just so so nervous to the extent I genuinely can't even listen back to that podcast because I can hear my voice shaking so I have this really weird thing whenever I speak publicly my voice wobbles. Like if you get a rash, that's okay because you can just cover it in makeup. But my voice is physically wobbling that I can't even hide it. It's so annoying. So hopefully we won't have any voice shaking in this podcast. But if we do, please forgive me. I am at home and I am in my comfort zone. So we should be all okay. I'm actually starting this podcast because my brother told me to. Okay, well, he didn't actually tell me to, but he definitely put the idea in my head. So we were basically sitting, having a chat, about everything I've been up to in my golf life recently, including my thoughts and feelings on all of it. And um, he was like, Mia, this is actually so interesting. And I was like, huh, my brother who has no interest in golf at all is finding me interesting. That is very nice. And also I'd been thinking about what other outlet there was for me to basically just chat and talk about golf stuff that wasn't YouTube. Because at the moment, I'm pretty much mainly an Instagrammer, but recently I've begun creating YouTube videos. It's been super, super fun. Absolutely love it. But the thing is, it's really hard knowing like what kind of content to put where and I still feel like I'm figuring that out a bit. But basically, I got this comment on YouTube recently. Actually, I've got this comment quite a few times. They basically said, I'm just another person on YouTube who talks a lot in front of the camera. He said he couldn't think of a single reason why he'd watch my videos anymore. It was, I mean, it was kind of mean, but he did have a point. And so here we are starting Unsussed of which unsussed isn't actually a word. Um, I did Google it, but I think it should be. It's quite a good word. But basically the meaning of it is my life is everything but sussed out and unsussed pretty much sums that up in a nutshell. So yeah, that guy's comment was just like a nice little bit of feedback telling me, Mia, you need another way to talk about golf that isn't your YouTube videos. So here we are. Before I started working in golf, Actually, let's go back to my school days. Wow, that seems like such a long time ago now. But when I was at school, I was a low-key nerd. Actually, people would call me like a boff or a boffin. I literally haven't heard that word in 
ages. Basically means a geek if you've never heard it before. My dad is English. My mum is from Hong Kong, which means as an Asian, you have to excel at everything you do. If you know, you know. I did all the academic stuff, maths, sciences. Of course, I play the piano. I actually also play the flute. I don't anymore, but I did play the flute. Um, and I played a lot, a lot of sport. Actually, I loved playing sport at school so, so much. I used to compete in athletics for long jump and 100 meters, did county competitions, national schools, all of that. I played hockey, but my main sport was actually netball. And for anyone who doesn't know what netball is, it's basically similar to basketball, but you just can't run or bounce the ball. It's pretty big in the UK. Anyway, I played netball for Leicestershire, East Midlands, um, for club, nationally. I basically just played a lot of sport. When I went to college to take my A-levels, I initially studied maths, Spanish, economics and media production, actually. But then I thought I was going to fail Spanish. So then I ended up teaching myself statistics six weeks before my exam, which looking back now is obviously a really weird thing to do but you'll come to learn that's literally the kind of person I am. I just get these weird ideas in my head and I just kind of, boom, go for it. So we dropped Spanish at AS level because we ended up getting a B, of which I cried about because it wasn't an A and it was my first ever B and I was just really gutted. Um, But now I realize it doesn't even matter. At the time, it felt like a massive fail. And I really wish I could tell you I was some sort of cool badass at school and had these really amazing badass stories, Uh, but I don't. I'm such a goody two-shoes and I hate breaking the rules. So yeah, we don't have any of those, I'm afraid. Anyway, we went on to finish college um, with maths, statistics and economics in our pocket. There was a point where I did debate pursuing netball as a career. I'd have loved to have been a professional athlete or work in sport or anything along those lines, you know. But after a conversation with my mum, realistically, I knew I could never earn as much um if I chose to pursue a career in sport as a woman which is a sad thought really but at the time it's true um and to be honest even now it's probably true it just kind of is what it is so what did we do we went to uni and we studied maths how unstereotypical of me at uni we played netball in first year decided to become a cheerleader in second year I didn't like the dancing part but I liked stunt which is basically where you get to throw people up in the air and I just thought that was really fun even managed to go to nationals for that I have no idea how I can't say I'm particularly coordinated when it comes to dancing but we did it was really really fun and then in third year um, I decided to go back to netball but I ended up tearing my ACL at the very start of the season so that was very short-lived which is actually a really funny story so when I found out that I tore my ACL I have another weird thing that when anything bad happens to my body I pass out So when the surgeon basically told me I'd torn my ACL, I didn't even know what an ACL was. I just passed out on my chair and I woke up and I had a nurse looking over me and a doctor basically looking over me thinking, what is wrong with this girl? So I I don't know. I have very odd things that happen to me in my body sometimes. Anyway, we had the ACL reconstruction surgery because I couldn't even walk upstairs because I just kept collapsing and falling over. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Um, And then I graduated from uni. Right, so I was supposed to do a master's in maths, which is heavily encouraged by my mother. I started it and I was like, I really, really, really don't want to do this. And I thought I was a bit of a rebel and I dropped out before I told her. I was quite rebellious. Um, And basically what had happened is I did an internship in London and I just loved working. I loved the city. I just loved everything about it and just studying for maths 
just didn't give me or bring me any joy. And I just really, really knew that I could do something good in the city. I could pay my rent. I could be independent. And that was just kind of the route I wanted to go. So I moved to London without a job. And I was like, okay, now I need to make money to pay my rent. Luckily, I'd always worked through uni. So I had a bit of a, a buffer, let's say, purely for reasons like this. I had this weird thing. God, I have so many weird things. Where I just need a certain amount of money to make sure that I can like survive for a certain amount of time if anything happened. I'd saved my whole life for a time like this. I'd had part-time jobs since I was 15, all through school, all through uni, all through uni holidays. I knew I could do it. My favorite job of all time was actually working as a waitress in a restaurant. I literally just loved serving people their food and basically running around looking after everyone in a restaurant. God, it's so weird, but like I just thought it was amazing. And can you believe actually one of my dream jobs was working as a cashier in a supermarket? I literally just wanted to say, oh, that's £2.58, pence, please. Thank you very much. Have a lovely day. Thankfully, I managed to line up a job in tech consulting at Deloitte. So I had a year to kill, of which I ended up working as a PMO for a global benefits network, which is basically in insurance, riveting. What I really wanted to do was actually become an actuary, someone who deals with financial risks. I just thought it was so fascinating, so interesting. But apparently I was too chatty for that. So I was rejected and put into consulting as it better suited my personality apparently alas here we are I mean I was kind of upset I thought I'd be a good actuary even if I was chatty even though I don't think I am that chatty but anyway we still went on to work at Deloitte and I got my BCS which is my British Computing Society qualification and I made so many friends I thought it was the most wonderful thing to do join a graduate scheme my main reason was to make friends I just had an absolute blast. I did actually end up leaving after only a year though because I basically wanted to do more. I'm quite impatient as a person, I would say. So if things aren't moving fast enough, I get really, really badly itchy feet. I like being in a situation where I feel like I can barely think, I can barely breathe because I'm doing so much stuff. I don't know why, I just get a weird thrill from it. I think that's why I liked working in a restaurant because if I managed the whole restaurant simultaneously with so many people I needed to please and make happy, I just I just loved it. I then went on to work in product management for a genetic testing startup where I was there for three years and it was during my time at this company that my golf life actually started. Towards the end of 2019, right before the start of COVID-19, my boyfriend of the time, his dad took me out onto a golf course just to ride the buggy And I was genuinely blown away with how stunning it was. I mean, we were in Spain and it was beautiful weather, but still the whole like experience was just absolutely fantastic. Some of you know this already, but my dad is a huge PC gamer. So my childhood was literally playing PC games from probably the age of two with my dad, with my brother, like it was just the thing we did. We didn't do stuff like golf. It wasn't our thing. So I know I did actually get my dad some golf clubs for Christmas this year. So maybe it will be our thing soon. I'm so excited for him. Anyway, seeing a golf course like that, I was just like, whoa, this is so cool, so insane, so stunning. Why have I not been out here before? And how the hell are there pieces of land that actually look like this? So his dad helped me hit a few balls at the range, of which, of course, I was categorically terrible. Like, awful. To the extent 
I was like, Mia, I thought you had hand-eye coordination. You literally have no hand-eye coordination. Why are you doing these air shots? Can you not see the ball right in front of you? I'll save my first golfing experience for another time. After this, I was like, I really want to buy some golf shoes. I don't know why. I just thought if you had the gear, then you were just set up. All other sports I do, you need to have the certain shoes to play them. You need your netball shoes. You need your athletic shoes. You just need your like hockey shoes. You know, you just need them. So I was like, I need golf shoes, obviously. I got in my head that I needed some. And so off I went to find some. And I had absolutely zero idea of how hard it was actually going to be. We're in 2019, right? And so I was like, obviously, I could just go to a shop and I can buy golf shoes. It's going to be dead easy. But it was so difficult. So many pro shops actually sold nothing for women, like not even a single item. It was just all for men. And I was just like, this is so weird and so confusing. I've been so privileged in life. And I really know I have that whenever I've wanted to start something or do something, I've literally just been able to do it. It's everything's just been there for me, you know. And this was the first time where I found it really difficult to start something just because of my gender. It was so strange. And then I thought, I was like, you know what? Surely the UK's biggest golf retailer, American Golf, they're going to stock stuff for women. We're going to be fine. At least I'll have something. And I went to their flagship store in London, in Monument. And when I went in, there was not a single item for women. There was not a single item for juniors either. The guy actually offered me some pink tees and I was thinking, I'm not going to put those on my feet, am I? Basically, it turns out they'd pulled all women's and juniors from all of their retail stores across the UK. So you could buy it online, but you can't go into a shop and you couldn't buy anything. What a world we live in, in the 21st century. I just wanted to buy some golf shoes and I couldn't. It was so crazy. The thing was, I also just couldn't believe I was the only woman or girl, who would experience this? Who would be in exactly the same situation? Who would have been turned away? Like it must have happened to other people. I just felt like it wasn't right. It wasn't really fair. I started by messaging American Golf customer services and I just didn't feel like I got the appropriate response. I didn't quite get the answers or get the conclusion or get the you know, plan of how we can change this that I wanted to. I've never really spoken about this. I always just say, oh, I got in touch with the CEO of American Golf. We didn't just get in touch with the CEO of American Golf. We had to find who he was. We had to graft and do some crazy stuff just to just to locate him and get his details. So I did some hard LinkedIn stalking. I'm not going to lie. It took time. It took me going through so many different people. But eventually we got to the CEO of American Golf. Because he was the person I wanted to talk to. He was the one I wanted to influence. He was the one I wanted to showcase the market that there could be. Like, I just, I just didn't believe hand on heart that I'm the only ever girl who wants to start playing golf. Now, don't get me wrong. I was annoyed that I couldn't buy golf shoes, but that really wasn't my point. I wanted to help change the fact that I couldn't buy golf shoes, not just for myself, but for others too. So we met a couple of times, had some chats together. I'd say I offered some pretty valuable free consulting to American Golf at this point. I mean, I I wasn't there just to complain. I wasn't really there to complain at all. I just wanted to show them what could be done in terms of quick wins, longer term strategies, and basically help them effectively like pioneer the way for women's golf. I was doing it because I wanted to. I was helping them because I wanted to. 
I guess the selfish part for me was I wanted to be able to go in and buy some golf shoes. I wasn't really thinking. I was just kind of like in my nature to do stuff like this, I guess. It was the CEO of American Golf who told me I should start an Instagram. At the time, I had my own personal Instagram account, but you know, that was it. It was just like a normal one, nothing special. I was a bit like, oh God, why is this guy telling me to start an Instagram account? Like, I thought it was quite cringe, to be honest with you, for myself to do it. Like, I thought seeing myself would be really cringe. I'm just a behind the scenes kind of girl. That's what I've been used to. I love making things, building things. That's like my whole product management kind of background, my experience. That's what I did. I was not an Insta gal. And I was thinking, how is this going to help me get you to stock golf shoes in your shops? But I went away and I thought about it. They're a business. Obviously, they're a business. Why don't they stock women's and juniors? Well, because the demand is low. How will they increase their demand? By more women and more juniors playing and starting golf. And as a business, they can only do so much, right? And I can only advise them on so much. But as an individual, well, I felt like I could do so much more because I was in control. I could do my bit. I remember it was so scary for me going to golf for the first time. And I know that I would never have golfed had someone not invited me. You just don't wake up one day and go, oh, I think I'm going to start playing golf today. It just doesn't happen like that. You need someone to hold out their hand. You need someone to get you started. And that's when I thought, maybe I could be that person who helps get people into golf. Maybe I could be the person who tells them, don't worry, who encourages them, who encourages people to invite their friends. Maybe if I can get more people thinking about starting golf, then I would be able to do my little bit to help. So on the 1st of January, I turned my personal Instagram account into my now golf Instagram account. I say I probably had about maybe like a thousand followers from my personal account, but obviously they weren't golf people and they weren't, well, maybe they were, but I didn't think they were interested in golf or that I knew anyway. So it felt like a bit of a risk, especially with your friends being able to see what you're doing. I mean, I definitely got some mocking jokes made of me. I mean, you would, it's banter. I didn't care too much though, because I saw the bigger picture in my head. And also I'd already started working with American golf. So I knew the worst case scenario. I'd have at least had some behind the scenes impact. And for me, that's that's what mattered. And COVID hit hard and we went into a lockdown. I was still working full time at this point. I was working for the genetic testing company, which meant we used the same labs and swabs needed for COVID actually. Quite rightly, we quickly had to pivot the whole company to become a private COVID testing provider. Now, I'm not going to beat about the bush. It was possibly one of the most stressful times of my life. Most of the staff were on furlough and there was a handful of us left. So we obviously had to work non-stop around the clock to create these fast COVID testing solutions. We worked Monday to Sunday. We had a 10 p.m. stand up every single night as like a check-in on our progress, of which ended up with us always getting more work out of it. So we wouldn't be able to go to sleep until like 2 or even 3 a.m. I was actually running on adrenaline. I think I got maybe like one or two days off a month. It was genuinely mental. I was so tired. I mean, the world was pretty mental at the same time as well, not knowing how to react to it all. But honestly, it was just, it nearly killed me. I was living with my ex-boyfriend at the time in the countryside with his mum. So we had a garden, 
very lucky to have had a garden. And early morning is when I would do my golf Instagram stuff. I'd wake up at 6am, do golf emails, more free consulting basically for other golf fashion brands. I'd be outside hitting balls by 7am, take photos for Insta, and then I would be at my desk working by 8.30. Social media is hard and it can be really hard and you can feel so much pressure from it and it takes time and it doesn't happen overnight for most of us anyway. I mean, People still see me as this new girl in golf, but I've been doing it for like over two years now. People grind over so many years to get to where they are. But obviously we only see the outcome of success. So yeah, I mean, when it comes to social media, my thing is just, you know, you've got to create good content and you've got to keep creating it. You've got to post and you've got to keep posting. Unless you have other strings to your bow, you know, like, I don't know, you're a singer on Instagram or you're an actor on Instagram or something like that, where people look to find your account from other places. You can't expect to grow without putting so much effort in. And you've got to do it in a way that's super sustainable for yourself. And that's assuming you really, really, really want it. I mean, I've only got, I don't have that many followers. I've got like 70k or something like that, which is such a small drop in the ocean in the world. But I love what I do. And more importantly, I love each and every one of my followers so, so much. They're so kind. They're so genuine. I find it's when you grow that you get negative comments. So I actually don't really like growing that much because, I don't know, you just don't know the people as much. Obviously, there's people that stay and the people that follow you are the ones who actually support you and care for you. And they're just the best people in the whole entire world. I just love that really tight-knit community of genuinely wonderful people and I would probably say I've come to love what I do even more because of you guys like you guys who support me are literally my favorite people in the world and yeah I mean thank you so much to those of you who've joined me on my journey so far like I'm honestly so grateful and so appreciative of you I wish I could I wish I had words to like honestly explain it I would just like to say here as well because I worked full-time I didn't have the pressure of trying to make Instagram my income. I had my normal income. So everything I did on Instagram, it was for fun. It was for free and it was to help. Initially, it wasn't to become my business. Obviously, now it's a slightly different story. We've come a long way from when we first started. But initially, that that wasn't even in my head. I just wanted to buy golf shoes, you know. It's so mad thinking about it now. But at the time, honestly... I just I couldn't even see what was going to happen next week because I wasn't thinking about it. I was so focused on my current job. One thing I am really against, and I'm just going to put it out there, and I really don't agree with it, um, is buying followers and likes. I just don't see the point. I think it's super unsustainable. I mean, I would never spend my money on something like that. Like I work so hard for every single penny that I do earn, and you do not need fake digital likes or followers to make you feel of worth. I hope that any of you guys out there who are planning on creating any sort of social media account never feel the need to do it. I mean, spend your money that you've worked so hard in earning on something that actually means something to you, something that makes you genuinely happy. Don't do it on something like that. Okay, so how did I grow and when did things start to change? I'd say a massive piece of my growth is down to Skillis and my coach, Stephen. Basically, in my head, I thought, how can I have impact in this golf world as this new golfer 
if I was super bad at golf, which obviously isn't true because everyone brings their own value into the world. Like I don't have to be a professional playing on tour to have some sort of positive impact in the world. Like I don't, but in my head, I was like, I really need to be better at this because why is anyone going to listen to me? And also I don't like doing things by halves. So it made sense. And I wanted to get good. I wanted to be able to go and play and I wanted to be everyone I went and played, especially all of the boys. And I also have like a weird addiction to hitting balls. I just love hitting a ball. It's probably one of the only things I do apart from the piano that actually helps my mind to rest. My mind is so active. It thinks about so many things simultaneously. So when I started my Insta, I was posting a lot of golf fashion posts. This was obviously because it was related to me wanting to have golf clothes I could go and buy. But I also started posting me practicing at home. I mean, I had zero clue where to start. There's so many golf tips online, so many different lessons, and it's a huge minefield for a newbie. Like, I didn't even know what a slice was, and then all these videos were telling me how to fix a slice. I'm like, I just want to know how to hit the ball and not do an air shot. And I remember it so clearly. I basically posted this indoor drill on my feed. It was in my old house, actually, on the top floor. I had, like, slanted roofs. It was really basic. It was that video that actually got Baden from Skillis to reach out to me. It was one morning before work. He called me um, because he's based out in Australia. And it was so early for me. I can barely think straight. And he was like, Mia, you'd be a great proof of concept to showcase how someone could learn golf through their phone. And I was like, "Uh, sure. Golf coaching sounds amazing. That's awesome. I mean, I love a bit of handholding. I'm not going to lie the moral support I need to live my life sometimes. You just can't buy that. I love just having someone there. I love the emotional support, the teaching, the learning, the getting better. I just love doing things with people, I guess. So having a coach was just the most wonderful, the best thing that I could ever been offered in my whole entire life. That also being said with COVID, we were in lockdown. We couldn't go out. We weren't going to be able to see or speak to or link up or have lessons from any sort of pro anywhere anyway. So this was just so perfect. Then Baden put me in touch with Stephen and literally from there, everything changed. Stephen was based out in Malaysia at the time. He's now in Singapore. I think that's right. Um, So he was super, super far away. Obviously, there's a time difference thing. And I will do a whole podcast purely on online coaching because I think it's such an interesting topic. And I think it's a really new topic that not many people have experienced. Obviously, my whole golfing life has been through online coaching. So I just feel like it's a really interesting thing to talk about. Since working with Stephen, I finally had like direction with my golf my improvement was just you know insane I even helped Stephen create a beginner golfer program Skillist used me to showcase how a beginner can learn golf through their phone I had Stephen using me as a bit of a case study for other coaches and because I was giving such I don't know I think I was giving such raw feedback like I'm very vocal and open with what I think and what I feel that it's actually really helpful for coaches as well because I was just very open about being a beginner and thinking you know what's going on I can't hit this ball what I'm thinking what I'm feeling throughout the whole process so I think that's not only helped people like me but it's also helped the coaches help people like me and you know it wasn't long before I started being able to hit the ball I was moving my body properly I was learning the basics of golf but I started from the very very beginning like I started on the foundational movements of a swing I spent weeks where I didn't even hit a ball I was practicing in the shower I was 
practicing when I was making my coffee. Like I was just doing all these movements, which was so foreign to me. I'd never done them before. And weirdly, it kind of created this golfer that I am today. It was pretty crazy, to be honest. I got like a fair amount of backlash for sharing my learnings online. Um, I just wanted to help other beginners to start because I didn't know where to start. And I just wanted to share what I was working on in the hope that maybe, you know, anyone else who was on the similar journey to me could get some benefit from it. Especially seeing as I was getting this coaching from Stephen, like I wanted to share that with other people who maybe didn't have the same access as me. Obviously now I put a lot of disclaimers on all of my posts saying I'm showing my journey, this is what I'm working on and I have a coach. Um, But the thing is they've actually helped people. And it's so crazy to think about when people are like, why are you able to share this stuff? You have no qualifications for it. And they're right, I don't have any qualifications for it, but I do have my personal perspective where I'm just sharing things in a much more simplified manner than some coaches do because they go really technical really quickly and we don't even know what they're talking about. And anyway, it's not like I'm saying I'm definitely gonna be able to help you or that you definitely have to do what I'm doing. I'm just sharing what's working for me at the time and maybe it'll work for you. Also, Instagram's just fun. Like, you don't have to take it so seriously. You try it or you don't try it. You watch it or you don't watch it. I don't know. I think it should just be pretty chilled. I feel like the little trio created some traction on my account, you know, between me, Skillist, Steven. Granted, it was all my own content being shared because I was putting out so much stuff every single day, every single week, just like a lot of reposts of what I've been putting up. But, you know, that's what it's all about. Inspiring and helping other people on their own journeys at the same time as I was on my own. My life was crazy busy. I was working crazy long hours. I was practicing my golf in the morning or basically wherever I was in the house. I was practicing it. Even on calls, I'd start practicing. I don't know. I was mad. But I was just so inspired by working with Stephen. I storied every single day. I think I storied every single day for at least a year and a half. Um, I was working with various golf brands, including American Golf. Yet still, I didn't actually earn a single pound from golf throughout the whole of 2020. I guess that's a pretty big thing too. Because I was working, I didn't have the pressure of money. Golf wasn't my job. It was my hobby. It was my side hustle. It was part of the world where I was having impact. And yeah, I got free stuff. And that's super cool and super awesome. But I'm also just really not into clutter. Unless I really, really, really want it, I don't want it, if that makes sense. So not to sound ungrateful or anything, because I'm so grateful and I feel so privileged, but I didn't see the point in having a top that I knew I never was going to wear, if that makes sense, because it's just like clogging up my wardrobe and I only have a certain amount of space. You know, you live in London, you don't have an abundance of space here, so you've got to be wise with it. And I just, I don't know, I just didn't want it. I only wanted the things that I really loved. I also did a few collabs. I did quite a few Insta lives with various people. And I think because it was COVID and everyone was on their phones, it made things so much more accessible for me. Like, I don't know, I just feel like I rode the wave at the right time. And I didn't even know there was a wave, but I'd just fallen into this thing at the right time in the right place. And I was just super lucky with it all, that it all kind of came about. I don't know, it's obviously a multitude of things because obviously I've worked hard, but also there's a huge amount of luck involved. For example, how weird is this, right? Podrick Harrington. I mean, I'd literally never heard of this guy before. He started his Instagram account during COVID or relaunched it or something like that. Wilson basically asked me if I could be his first Instagram live. So I was on Instagram live with Podrick Harrington, who was giving me a golf lesson, not 
knowing at all who he was, apart from being this guy who had to like FaceTime me five times before the Insta Live because he wanted to make sure everything was set up and was okay. And I was thinking, gosh, he's a very worried person. It's like, he just needs to chill. It's all going to go okay. And it did go okay. But now obviously I know who he is. I'm just thinking, oh, it's so lucky, Mia, that you had no idea what you were doing because otherwise you'd probably freak out. I honestly think being so clueless about golf has helped me so much in these situations because I just I just haven't known any better, you know? I've also met some amazing, incredible content creators along the way. Rachel Drummond was actually someone I spoke to really early on and she's a super, super lovely girl. Obviously, Rick Shields, Seb on golf, he's awesome. He's a very fascinating guy, he's super clever. Peter Finch, Bella Angel, Isabel Shee, Alexandra O'Loughlin, um, the Good Good crew, I met a few of them, they're amazing. I've even spoken to people like Daniel Kang, Jessica Gorda, Tyrrell Hatton, Justin Rose. Actually, I've got around quite a lot. That is actually mad, I've spoken to so many people, that's crazy. My point is, I did loads of these collabs, meeting and talking to people through Insta, on Zoom. It opened up my eyes so much and it opened me up to the golf world. I was probably on about maybe 30 or so thousand followers when a few management companies reached out, but I didn't think any of them were right for me. At the end of the day, you start becoming a business whether you like it or not. And for me, I had all the contacts I wanted at the time. And unless I felt a management company could bring something to the table that I didn't really have, then the only person really losing out was me. So it was a very calculated thought process when I had these conversations. I wasn't making money. I knew that. I also wasn't going to make a silly decision because I felt pressure to do so, pressure to conform. I wanted it to be a partnership and I wanted it to make sense. I think when my grandma passed away in summer 2020, things changed massively for me again. It's uh, it's weird. Sometimes when the worst things happen in life, you know, good things come out of it. I mean, I wish my grandma was around still so, so much. I mean, she'd find this all incredibly interesting she'd be so excited I have a super small family so when she passed away it you know it really cut deep and it was my first experience of someone close passing away and um I was pretty surprised at my own reaction to it not gonna lie to you I didn't take it too well but definitely like my whole life pivoted it changed I mean I moved back to London I broke up with my ex I had to start doing things differently in terms of my golf because I didn't have access to a garden or a net. Work was as crazy as ever. I mean, people were telling me I was having a mental breakdown, but I just felt like, you know, I started working harder than ever. Maybe it was to stop thinking about stuff, block it out. I don't know. I think that is what I do to not process things. Or it's maybe it's my way of processing things. Then Mark from Modest Golf got in touch. One of my friends I made in golf actually recommended me to him, I think. Chatting with Mark was the first conversation I'd had with someone where they had a calculated thought process between us working together. Events that I could get involved in that were aligned to my goals, such as the ISPS Hander Invitational, a golf competition which had, you know, an equal prize fund for men and women, which is an absolutely incredible event to be a part of. They offered me opportunities that were so much more interesting to me with more substance that would help me, you know, connect what I was doing with what they were doing. It's like a proper partnership. And that was what I was looking for. Finding out Niall Horan was one of the founders of Modest Golf actually didn't convince me to work with them in any way. I'm so sorry, Niall, for saying this. I hope you're, well, I hope you're listening, but I also hope you're not listening. But um, I'm the worst with pop culture and celebrities. Obviously, I knew who Niall was, but like, I didn't know him. The most famous people to me are my friends and my family. I know that sounds so odd, 
but I just like nice people. Obviously, Niall is wonderfully nice. Like, I genuinely love the guy. But I did have to start following him on Instagram after I signed with Modest. Sorry, now. <laughs> I signed with Modest in December 2020. And then 2021 was the first year I started earning money from golf. I'd say my first proper paycheck was in May 2021. What a treat. By now, I got to the point where I had to choose working with one golf fashion brand so I could have more impact rather than spreading myself too thinly. It was pretty cool having Adidas pitch themselves to me because I was so on the fence on what I wanted to do. I was still figuring myself out what I was doing. I had mad, mad imposter syndrome. I still get it now. I just feel so uncomfortable sometimes being in golf. I'm like, why am I here? What is my point? Why does anyone even want to listen to me? And I'm really trying to overcome that because we all have value in various aspects of our lives in the people we meet. But you just got to convince yourself that sometimes. And I struggle with that. Adidas are such a progressive brand and some of the conversations I've had with them and their global design team have been incredible. The only thing is it takes at least two years for any change to happen, which I had no idea. I always thought things happened for next season, but they actually happen for like seasons in two years time or something. It's honestly crazy. Choosing to work with them was probably one of the best things I could have done because they really value my thoughts and they are so open to my honest opinions about stuff. It's pretty cool. And I just love working with the guys there. They're so, so kind, so, so lovely and just so innovative, you know. I did some really cool stuff over the summer, like working on the AIG Women's Open with the RNA, the ISPS Handler I spoke about already. I was in some campaigns with American Golf. I did social for the Rose Ladies series. I did other bits and bobs, but it got to the point where my job was killing me. And although I had loads of holiday days to take because I literally had taken next to none in the past year or two, I just I just couldn't do it anymore. I was so burnt out. I had no time to rest, to recover, to just be normal. It was a Sunday and I literally cried the whole day. I was with George, my current boyfriend. He must have thought, what the hell is wrong with this girl? But I was just so anxious about the Monday. Then Monday came and I just couldn't get out of bed. I was just crying and then I couldn't go on Instagram because people couldn't see me in this kind of state and I just felt you know like my life was crashing because I couldn't keep the pressure of life inside me anymore and then I handed in my notice my last day in my nine till five was on the 25th of June 2021 and I was so relieved you know what I would never have quit my job for golf because to me it felt like a massive massive risk Going from earning money to not earning money in the same way. Oh God, it's so scary. I'm so risk averse. That's such a terrifying thought. But I literally got pushed to the brink that I did it. And to make myself feel better, I called it a summer sabbatical at first. To basically ease my mind that it's temporary if it doesn't work out. And I've not lost too much of my life. But it's kind of now turned into a winter sabbatical. Come gap year. And we're still plodding along and we're still here. I mean, I've not even quit my nine till five for a year yet. And I think I should start becoming more comfortable in just saying I work in golf. But the thing is, most people don't really understand what you do as a content creator. I mean, I barely do either because I do so many different things, so many random things. Genuinely, I couldn't even tell you what I do because it's so diverse. Anything to do with golf, content, consulting, events, presenting, campaigns. I've written a children's book, YouTube. Instagram, TikTok, podcast. You know what I'm trying to get at. It's just so varied. Anything in golf, I'm actually just obsessed with and I love so much. I love the people, the work, the industry, the impact we can have. 
and fundamentally the joy of being with friends, genuinely nothing could have prepared me for this. The funny thing is, I wanted to work in sport and never thought it was an option for me. And now here we are, working in sport, doing something I'm genuinely passionate about, but that I didn't even know I was passionate about not long ago. It's such a different world than a nine to five, and I'm definitely still learning how to live my life whilst working in such an unstructured way, especially as I'm a super planned person. It's very interesting. I mean, I literally wrote a children's book on the plane from London to Edinburgh because I felt inspired in that very moment. If you've not heard or seen it, it's called Just Don't Give Up. It's available in American Golf online and in store. Feel free to go check it out. I made it all by myself, except for the illustrations. I did actually pay someone else to do those. But the book design, the word placing, the writing, the planning, the even printing of it, everything, I did it myself. And if there's any children's book publishers listening in, you are very welcome to hit me up. I guess to take this in full circle, I should probably add that one of my biggest achievements today is the fact that in all the new refurbished American golf stores, there's now a dedicated women's and junior section. That to me is unreal. That is literally what I came out to start doing in golf. And we hit that milestone in 2021 amidst COVID. It's just the start. Obviously, not all American golf stores have women's and junior sections, but at least some do. Like they are a business, it does take time. And I know I get messages from people saying, you know, this American golf store doesn't have women's clothing. And I get it, it's annoying. I've literally been there, I was that person. But I promise you, they're doing their best. Like they're doing something. And I think something is better than nothing. In this day and age, I think we all want things to happen like ASAP. And I've had to really learn and process the fact that things don't happen that fast, especially not in golf. Like it's a slow industry. I'm really sorry to say it is a slow industry, but there's so many people trying to change it and it's just awesome. I feel so inspired by a lot of the people that I see working hard on their businesses, working hard on their content, like whatever it is they do, there's just some incredible things going on. I mean, this is just the start. Honestly, I'm so excited for the future. Even though I debate every single day in my head whether I should go back to a nine to five, to that security, to the way of life that I'm used to, where I get to work on techie stuff behind the scenes, where I get to build things, create things for people. I mean, it's just my comfort zone. Before I know it, I'll probably be working in the contact world for 10 years before I start feeling like I belong. But I don't know, who knows? I'm super hopeful that 2022 has some really interesting and cool things in store for all of us, for me and for you guys listening. Right, I'm actually going to go to the shops now because I need to get some food for dinner. But I'm not sure what I'm going to make yet. Maybe I'll just probably spend two hours wandering aimlessly down the aisles hoping I'll get inspired by something. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed learning about me, my golf story and my time so far in social media in today's pod. And I'm super excited to catch up with you in my next episode. Thank you so much for joining me on my very first episode of Unsussed. It's honestly been such a pleasure to have you here with me. Make sure you don't forget to follow Unsus so you never miss an episode. And if you want to go ahead and give me a five-star rating, you are very welcome too. And remember, feel free to DM me any questions or stories you'd like me to chat about next week on Instagram. It's at MiaEllaX. Chat soon, guys. (laughs) 